0: join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey everyone, how you doing today? Well, this is going to be a series of three interviews. You want to watch all of them. Uh, Anna and I have seen the housing crash videos. We have seen Google searches saying, when is the market going to crash? What we have decided to do is break down all three in individual segments of how the real estate market could crash. So, Anna, you ready for this?
1: I am ready and excited. I love this topic.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think you know. I think it's a little bit of morbid curiosity. I think it's a little bit of recency bias. I think. Well, first off if it did crash, you and I would make a killing. Let's just be honest. Right. So I got, I got some hate mail the other day about it Well, not crash. So you could sell more books. I'm like, trust me, if the real estate market crashed, I would be better off than a couple of dollars on a book. What are you talking about? It's people are silly. <laughs> so let's talk. Yeah. About- no, I'm
1: excited about it because it's, it's education, right? Yeah. It's like, how do we become better investors? Whether you're just starting out or you get better, you learn from the past. And then you use that to make wise decisions in the, in the future to hedge what could or couldn't happen and how you would react when it does. Right.
0: Absolutely. I, I, I mean, I, just a great example of, of, you know, 30 years of discipline just today, we saw Wells Fargo and JP Morgan reverse their bad debt reserves. Right. And it's funny. I, a year ago, I'm telling my folks, watch this. It's going to happen. They're going to reverse it. Goose their numbers, blah, blah, blah. Sure enough. I'm like, I told you. So anyways, I digress. Uh, the first one I want to do is talk about the government. Everybody likes to talk about the government, and if you want to go back and research something, folks, in, ni- in the nineteen eighties, the Deficit Reduction Act was the overarching umbrella uh, that was blamed for the la- for a housing crash in the eighties. Uh, so, Anna, one of the things that you and I both know is if the government wanted, they could attack real estate investors, and they could change things on the edges, or they could go right to the heart of our business. And if they did, it would crash real estate. What do you think?
1: Yes, it it, it could. And and to your point, in the 80s, it, it did, right? And so I I do think the optimist in me says most p- politicians, from what I've read, congressmen have real estate, mm-hmm. because wise people that start to make money start to want a place to put it. And, you know, the no-brainer, you know, safe place to park money in the scheme of things has always been real estate, right? There's more millionaire real estate than anything else. And so I think there are enough people in Congress that they're not going to go for the jugular and try to crash it unless they just want eminent domain and they want to take it all, right? And do we have a few on the very far left that would love to, you know, take over all apartment housing and make it affordable? Yes. Do I think it's likely... I hope not. But with that said, there are things that they want to do to increase tax revenue, right? And given the fact that we are now printing trillions of dollars and going into additional in order to fund all of the things we are through the pandemic, they've got to find ways to increase tax revenue. And so real estate to date has has had serious tax benefits that make it very attractive to us and keep prices fairly high because we have the trade-off of, Eh, I might be buying when the market's a little high, but I'm getting a hundred percent bonus depreciation and writing off all my losses. Right. Um, my capital gains are very, very low right now. And I have the ability to do a 1031 exchange. So if I want to sell one property, I 1031 into another, I'm doing that right now on, on a deal. And we have a stepped up basis for our family. So when we buy property, we pass away, we leave it to our heirs. There's a stepped up basis. All those things make real estate extremely attractive. And if you start to go for just tax changes, you know, forget any other legislative changes, but you just go for the tax changes, it could make the risk adjusted returns that you make in real estate such that people look elsewhere for um, where they want to invest that decreases the demand and that decreases the values.
0: Yeah, what I really want to make this episode about is the tax changes because that's what happened in the 1980s. They basically wiped away the ability for rich high W2 earners, doctors, dentists, lawyers to write off depreciation or losses against their income, right? That was essentially the big the big tweak, which again changed their risk profile and it's like, well, it was good while it lasted. Let's you know get rid of these things, and they started selling, and value started falling, and then we had a savings and loan crisis, and it it just cascaded. It was, you can go back and look to the tax changes that changed the profile of investors. It it went from being a great investment with a purposeful return to being overpriced and not worth the headaches. I mean that's that's what happened, and and yeah, they could come in and do eminent domain and all of that, but it's it's so unlikely, uh, at least at any scale. To, to be a real problem, but they could definitely come after tax changes. I think there's a couple things on the edges that I, that I think are possible, but, but, you know, if you want to go to the heart of this, if you, if, if, if I'm not saying the administration wants this, but if they did, if they wanted to get rid of real estate investors altogether, right, just wipe them out, don't like them, blah, blah, blah. They could come in and do things like write off. They They could cancel the write off of mortgage insurance. They could. Uh, they could get rid of depreciation altogether. They could, right? They, they could do all kinds. Con- they could raise taxes on um, earnings, right? The, the, you know, rent. Uh, it's just, they could do all those things. I'm not saying they are, but if they wanted to get nasty, they could do that. And I promise you, real estate would crash.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I already expect, Michael, and I'm starting to see this in the interactions that I have, especially with smaller mom-and-pop landlords, mm-hmm. um, and also on some of the very large apartment complexes as well. Biden has essentially said, and it's in their tax proposal for 22, that they are going to increase the long-term capital gains rates significantly. Mm-hmm. And that in and of itself is already teasing a lot of people to say, we got to sell now. While values are high, while we can close this year and lock in a a shorter, smaller, much smaller capital gain. And so you're starting to see a lot of properties put on the market, but there's still so much demand that they're scooping them up, right? But once that capital gain is in full force, and we presume in 2022, I don't think they'll wait till 2023. I anticipate that that change alone will cause two things to happen. Investors simply will not keep selling. They're going to just keep refining, keep improving their properties and holding on to them. Mm -hmm. Um, So that will put out a little bit less supply. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also going to make other people think very carefully about whether they even want to get into real estate if they've got to hold their properties for a very long time and don't have the ability to have lower capital gains and the 1031. Now, the Democrats for a long time have threatened to take away the 1031 exchange, but they haven't done it. You know, the the question about whether they're likely to and how many of them would be impacted by that changes, you know, anyone's guess. But I think that one and capital gains could both cause significant dip, at least in certain, you know, maybe commercial real estate more so than residential. But I think that we'll have a blip because of that. I don't think it's going to be a crash, but I think it will cause values to come down a bit.
0: Yeah, and something I should have said up front on in the intro is define a crash because I hate these words without definitions. I'm going to call a crash something greater than twenty percent, just to get off. And that's the same for all three videos, right? If it goes down five percent, I'm not calling that a crash. That's an adjustment. That's a slowdown. Right. Whatever you want to call it. So twenty percent is my bar for these three conversations. Yeah, I, I'm so I'm like you, right? I think I think capital gains, you know, kind of you know individual tax return changes, you know, that makes if you're if you're in your seventies. Right. And you see another 10 or 15 years of quality of life, you're going to use this year to be like, okay, you know, I was going to sell in three years, I'll sell now. Right. So I think there's, I think some of that pulls forward. And then you're right. I think we get the next year and it doubles or whatever it does. And the beauty of real estate is I don't have to sell. I could just do a rate and term refi or cash out refi. And last time I checked, loans aren't taxable income. And I mean, and again, we could, I mean, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's interesting so i just think the economies change i think that the 1031 is an yeah. interesting one to think about right because i know i know why it's a target but if you really step back and go what's the goal right the government at least currently wants to incent affordable housing right it wants to send housing units and one of the things that is wonderful, and I've used it many times, is that that ten thirty one exchange, right, to go bigger, right, move equity in, in an asset to something bigger. But if they, if I was thinking, what would I do different if they eliminated that? And I don't know that it really slows me down at all. Maybe it hurts the people at the very big, right? Because I don't play in hundred units and above. Maybe that's where the ten thirty one would be felt. But mom and pop investors, you know, going from a duplex to six units or. Four units to twenty units, which are both things I've done. I don't know if that. I just don't think I do the trade. I think I stay where I'm at.
1: And I think that's the key is you, you know for for long term investors, it's not going to make much of a difference. And you know one of the things even with crashes that I tell my students, I've got some people that are worried or people that just message me, do you think real estate's going to crash? Like it's so overpriced, I can't believe you're still buying anything. And the reality is because we're long term buy and hold investors primarily, right? Mm-hmm. We can weather these economic changes. Typically, you go from peak to trough in 10 years, right? right. Give or take and have some type of recession every 10 years or so. And so I do have value add deals. And on my value add deals, I'm much more concerned of if I'm going to buy something, I better not bank on thinking that it's just going to continue to go up, 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 sky's the limit for the next three to five years when there are things like the tax code changes that could happen. But with my buy and hold investments, if I'm paying a little too much today compared to what I would have paid two years ago or would have paid in two years, I really don't care because I'm holding it for 10, 20 years plus or even for my children. Mm -hmm. And again, things change and they're tough when I want to sell. I intend to always maintain very good credit and be able to be bankable and do a cash out refi to take my cash out that way. So it's not going to impact me significantly. Um, where where we really have to worry about these, these things like a real estate crash is when you're in it for the short term, you're flipping properties. Mm-hmm. You've got a bunch of hard money loans and a crash happens, you're devastated just like yeah. they were in 2009. So it's one of the main reasons that I, I really am not an advocate of transactional real estate where you're constantly churning and depending on very quick turnaround to make a profit and have short-term loans on those deals. If you can buy long-term holds, put in fixed financing, long-term debt, you'll weather most of these storms and you'll figure out a new strategy to get around them.
0: Yeah, I I couldn't agree more with that. And yeah, I mean, go back to Dave Ramsey's story, right? How did he, why is he so anti-real estate? Well, it's because he was doing short-term expensive financing 90 days or 180 days at a time and it ate his lunch when the market turned, right? So yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. but I guess the one thing I really want to highlight is we exit this government, right? If Again, I, I go back to the fact that I don't think eliminating the 1031 or the stepped-up basis are enough to crash real estate. I think those are changes at the edges. I think they, they change marginal things. I think they have to get punitive. I think they have to go back to like 1980 style, like, hey, I'm taking away one of the big goodies, like mortgage interest deduction, like depreciation altogether. If they got that punitive, I'm willing to tell you that real estate would crash because, shoot, I might sell everything. I was like, okay, well, that's not worth it anymore. I'm done.
1: Yeah. And I think you've seen a little glimpse of that in, although I'm, I'm sure that they I'll give given the benefit of the doubt that they have noble causes with the eviction moratorium, right? But the fact of the matter is that during this pandemic with the eviction moratorium, that is really strong armed many landlords. More than 50% of, of, of investors only own one to 10 units. And yep. so they're having to cover these mortgage payments while people aren't paying. And so I think if the government continued these types of pro-tenant, anti-landlord things like extensive eviction moratoriums, and if they put in federal rent controls of some sort or even state, you know, you could crash in a particular state because of legislative changes even if sure. the rest of the world doesn't, the rest of the country doesn't. But I think if you start to caps on your ability to profit and raise rents in order to keep housing affordable, which is which is the big buzzword right now, you know, all of these packages for pandemic and, and internationally, the UN, all these countries are saying affordable housing is like a number two human crisis next to climate change, right? So if they come in and, and limit our ability to raise rents, to keep up with our expenses and maintain profitability, I think that has more likelihood of causing a major real estate crash mm-hmm. in both the single family and multifamily space yeah. than even tax code changes.
0: Yeah, and then the last thing I'll say on this and we'll get on to episode number two, when, I want people to realize when I talk housing crash in 20% and government changes attacking landlords, I want everybody to realize that in most markets, right? Investments are 32%, owner occupants are 68%. So yes, they may attack investors, but when it crashes, it crashes everybody. Everybody's value goes down. Everybody's underwater. It's not good for everyone. But again, if the government wanted to, I'm not saying they are, but if you want to, if Google search housing crash, one answer is the government could cause it. Is that fair? That's very fair. Very cool. I look forward to number two. Thanks.